This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 196. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and today I'm joined by Mr. Jacob Paulson. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How you doing? Marginally well. Marginally average. Well. That's that's. I don't know how to compare that with your other response you gave me just a minute ago. I'm doing better than average. All right. Cool. Hey, really exciting thing, by the way, folks. Yesterday we recorded uh, an interview. It, it, well, we had the tables flipped on us as Kyle Lamb interviewed Jacob and I for the Team VTAC podcast. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was exciting. And we did that live, well, live is relative. I guess we did it from uh, the 511 Tactical Store in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, which was kind of a fun experience. So if you're not already subscribed to Kyle's podcast, you can search and find that in iTunes. It's the Team VTAC, V-T-A-C podcast. And I don't know when he'll publish that interview, but uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm guessing it'll be at least a little while because uh, I don't think he's going to be home for at least at least a few days. Uh, so he's, uh, he was on his way to finish filming some uh, segments for Viking Chronicles on Outdoor Channel. So anyway, hey, one other big thing, folks, big exciting announcement for today, and that is that uh, we, uh, we have officially now launched our new women-friendly podcast. Not that this one's not, I hope. Oh, but, I was uh, about to ask that question. Are we not women-friendly? <laughs> um, yeah, no. It's so uh, I'm dropping the link uh, here in the show notes and everything. But yeah, yeah, not your average gun girls podcast that you can find that on Google Play or iTunes or anywhere you subscribe. You should be able to search and find it. And uh, we're really excited. Um, mostly just because it's good to have a different perspective on things and to talk about a different kind of, uh, of world to some degree. So it's a different format. It's a little bit differently structured uh, than the Concealed Carry podcast. And we're really uh, honored, frankly, to be affiliated with the, this new podcast and, and to work with Amy and Emily, who are the hosts. So check that out, notyouraveragegungirls.concealedcarry.com. Uh, I can tell you, I will be subscribing and I will listen to every episode. So I don't think that uh, dudes out there should feel any qualms about it. Yeah, it's a great podcast, and we had a great time producing it. We we recorded eight different interviews on site at Shot Show last week. Uh, I think folks will really enjoy it, especially uh, those viewing or listening to the Concealed Carry podcast. Uh, you might just check in, and especially if you've got a a wife, a girlfriend, a significant other that you'd like to share that with, let them know that there's a podcast for them. Uh, not your average gun girls podcast. Check it out. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play. And any whatever app or whatever you might use to listen to, subscribe to, download podcasts, search it. It should come up. It just went live this morning. It's possible that it may not be appearing in all you know different apps uh, search results, but it should be showing up very soon if it's not there already. Uh, anyway, we hope that you go check it out and subscribe. And meanwhile, if you haven't already subscribed to the Concealed Carry podcast, now is a great opportunity to do, to do that as well. Uh, so. Anyway, uh, today's episode, by the way, is brought to you by Springfield Armory. Uh, they were fantastic hosts uh, for us last week. They basically opened their arms to us and said, come on in, we'll put you on center stage in our booth at SHOT Show for several hours. We recorded some interviews, uh, specifically the interview we're going to be playing back today with uh, Rob Latham and Rob Pincus, 
that was done right there at the Springfield Armory booth last just uh, barely a week ago. And then also we recorded several episodes and interviews for the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast while we were in that booth as well. So we really appreciate Springfield Armory and everything they did to accommodate us to give us a, a place, a space, a platform to set up and record some episodes and interviews for the podcast. It was it was really cool. So other uh, sponsors today, by the way, just if you haven't checked it out already, GuardianNation.com. You'll want to go check that out. That is our premier location and gathering place for uh, guardians that are serious about their their self-defense and anything shooting or gun-related, and you get great access to amazing benefits for being a member of Guardian Nation. So, anything else you want to throw out there, Jacob? No, I don't think so. You know, game on. Cool, cool. Well, we like I said, we're going to play back then the interview uh, that uh, you and I did, or actually, excuse me, you were unable to join me for that one. So I, I was able to, and privileged to interview Rob Latham and Rob Pincus, who both have appeared on the Concealed Carry podcast in the past, but they both appeared separately, which m- that may have been a better approach. <laughs> no, actually, so, you know, I mean, Rob Latham, he, he does his thing. He knows his his world. He's a he's one of the greatest competitive shooters of all time. You got Rob Pincus, who you know is well respected in the industry for his knowledge and self defense and and uh, defensive oriented shooting. Uh, but uh, we, we brought them together, <laughs> and uh, what it's funny because Rob Latham I think takes competitive shooting very seriously. Pincus takes defensive, you know, practices very seriously, and then you put them two together, and it's like. I don't know. I don't know what that turns into. Well, I, I think it turns into uh, worlds collide, as they like to say, right? These guys have a, a, I don't know if it's a video series or whatever you want to call it. It's kind of this brand, this idea of worlds collide. And um, they, they, they come from different worlds. And it's, it's really fun because obviously they're going to talk about the things that are the same in competitive shooting and de- defensive shooting. And they're definitely going to pick out the things that are not the same. And that's where it gets really exciting. Yeah, no, they're really entertaining to watch, really entertaining to listen to. So I hope you enjoy this interview today. Just to preview it a little bit, uh, it it starts kind of in the middle of a conversation between them. I, I just I thought it was pretty entertaining how it kicks off. So just know that as soon as I hit play on this, it launches right into a little bit of a banter between the two of them. So in case that doesn't, you know, if that catches you off guard, that's what's going on there. But uh, it's a highly entertaining interview. And there's, but the important thing is there's actually really good stuff to learn from it as well. So listen closely, pay attention, enjoy. And uh, here we go. We'll hit the play button now. What is our subject matter today? Me. What, it's all why about do you like working with me? And what makes me the most qualified defensive firearms instructor on earth oh crickets yes it's true i actually am a huge fan of cricket i didn't know that you were no i do i think it's a cool game i like that it takes like three or five days Days to play to to have somebody win i like the 360 degree thing i just like it's so cool Although I, I threw my shoulder once out again, pitching. <laughs> once in, again, we're going to uh, have a, a world collide right South here. Africa. I was pitching in South Africa, and I or bowling. What do they call it? No, it's, it's, you, yeah, bo- you bowl. You bowl, and you I, bowl. I threw my shoulder out with that rotation oh, and that weirdness. Yeah, huh. it wasn't. It was. I wasn't in a league so, or anything. So that's going to be another that. comparison video: cricket versus, versus, versus what baseball. Do they call it here? Baseball. 
Nice. So easy baseball. I, I can see why you like baseball, actually. I like baseball. I know. I can I love, see why. I love the arenas and the hot it's dogs. It's like a break interrupted by occasional athleticism. <laughs> 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 oh, my, my life. My uh, life, yeah. All right. Appreciate you guys uh, joining me for a few minutes here today. We're uh, here at the Springfield Armory booth uh, here at SHOT Show 2018. And Rob and Rob making a few minutes of their time available to me for the podcast. Hey, guys, so um, 45 or 9 millimeter? Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop <laughs> it now. 30 Luger. Okay, 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 okay. 30, 30, 30 380. My new favorite round. 38, 30, 30, actually, 308 win mag. I won't argue with okay, that. Okay, 380 no, or 308. Winchester Magnum. <laughs> 308 Winchester Magnum is the target. Wait, 308 win mag? Yeah. It's 300 that, win mag. No, there's a Winchester. There's a Magnum. It's 338. <laughs> I love 338. Did I not say 338? 338 Win Mag is did, one I, of the best balanced really no, medium cartridges ever made. That was what I, I, that was what I meant to I say, and then I yeah. got drunk. Yeah. Speaking of 308s, we've got there one on the wall right there. There is video evidence that I am not drunk, by the way. <laughs> um, I don't know if you can show that on video. So we just did, a, we just did the yep. Worlds Collide thing, as we kind of constantly do, because it's fun. But we did, you just saw the live broadcast. So I'll, I'll throw this to you. Like, share yep. for your audience. Yep. What you think that's all about and, and what the experience is, and then we'll tell you if you're right or wrong. I'll probably think you're right, and Latham will think you're wrong because he's negative. Negative nanny. It's, it's funny. You're flipping around the uh, interview on me, and I love it. Um, you know, there's always this debate in the community, right? Competitive shooter, defensive shooter. It's like, it, it's like the two worlds can't ever go together, you know? That if you, you're either only a competitive shooter or you're only a defensive shooter— yeah, that's, and that's it's somehow like oil you're giving, and water. Yeah, you're giving. It's some, his turn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, but it's like you're giving something up to be one or the other. Well, you are. Yeah, there's definitely limited some trade-offs, resources right? and limited attention. Yeah, but what if you have limited. unlimited? No mm. one has unlimited time. I mean, I am. You might have close to unlimited resources. You're really old. I mean, the fact that you left. No, long. I'm not talking about potential days left. <laughs> I'm t- well, that's I'm a talking resource. about any given <laughs> time on the range is a resource. Everybody's is limited. The, the, <laughs> I'm impervious to the shot show crud that I keep hearing about. That I don't get that. I never get sick. Yeah, can't be sick already. Do, right? Oh no. I just that's shook a, her hand. It's the snacks. You have sick. like a sugar barrier. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the 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 bad things eat the sugar and they actually they just die out. I'm overfeeding before they get anything important on you. It's like it's like Kevlar. It's like it's like sickness Kevlar, uh, fatty, so, sugary layer. So let's get down to the to, to the Makes nuts and bolts. Where is defensive shooting and competitive shooting really truly not compatible? Lots of Can places. you answer that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah there's yeah, there's, there's lot there's because, lots of places. No, before you go on, because when I when I hear you guys get together right. and you start talking about this stuff, we actually find that there's a lot of similarities or things that you guys actually agree with one another on. It's the way you and that's apply, quite fascinating. It's the way that things we agree on are applied. And I think that's the underlying yeah. story is that it's not this you know, completely separate things. It's it, every, People say things like, well, it's all shooting or it all comes down to the fundamentals. Well, sure, but it's how you apply or how you practice to apply things like trigger control or recoil management or alignment of the gun or aiming or whatever whatever the you know, presentation from the holster all it's how you train and practice and envision yourself applying it and the gear you buy and all that so the application is incredibly different right that's a yeah. huge difference but the, i think the underlying fundamental philosophies or concepts or principles that's where we always get back to is and then you have to understand why that looks so different when you see me in a, in a you know obviously bespoke custom suit and him in a billboard (laughs) (laughs) looks so different so different well there's so many similarities in 
in, in areas of it. Like, for instance, when, when, once the gun is out and aimed at the target, there's no difference. It's about shooting the target then. No, well, stop, 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 stop. Wait, no. You, we did a Worlds Collide episode on the fact that there is a completely huge difference because you were trying to get me to not worry about confirming my shot, just firing and moving the gun. Right, but there's no difference for me. When I shoot but you, I'm not going to shoot shooting. you any different than a paper target. But, but you're going to process information. Maybe more. I might because shoot you're you more. Shoot more. And you have to process information right. so that you know when to stop. Yeah, but in competition, no, no, no. you yeah, stop that's after not a talking, shot. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the process of firing the shot is unchanged for me. Mm. The actual process mm. of the mechanics of when I'm ready to shoot, Whatever yes. gives me the cue, Prior. the shooting process, the yes. gripping, the standing, During. all of that. But the immediate follow-up, the aftermath. Uh, is not the same thing. Not the part I'm talking about. I'm talking about the process of shooting the shot. If I shoot, a, like, I do this all the time. When we shoot steel targets and I miss them, you know, I have to shoot them still, right? So shoot the result, it. I didn't get the result. So I'm still, But in the real world, if you're shooting at a person and they, and they don't drop, you keep shooting. Well, you don't to a, figure it out to, later. To a degree. This is where, the, the, this is where you're... you're what awesome. do we call it? Your philosophy, is that a good term for it? Or your Maybe, viewpoint might, might be a little bit different in <laughs> mine. Is if I shot you three or four times, and first off, I know I shot you because I... am amazing. Well, nah, that's not, yes, but no, that's not what I mean. I don't mean to sound cocky, but the reality is if we're five or seven yards away, and I shoot at you four or five times in a controlled manner, which might be really, really fast... It's very unlikely. And your little forty-five is now empty. By the way, <laughs> just well, but, but I wouldn't see the the bottom line is what I'm saying is I could empty any gun that's capacity ten or less, and I don't care what caliber it is. I could probably empty it on some potential target before it had a chance to give me enough reaction right. to fall down. For instance, I know people. Steve Tarani. If you shot him ten times with a nine millimeter, and he chose to fall down for some reason, because it wouldn't be the gun didn't wouldn't have done it, because he needs a forty five. But <laughs> there's but, so but, much hyperbole there. I don't want to make Steve mad. I don't, think, I don't want to make Steve mad. But, a lot of facetious, but, 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 crazy but the reality right is there. the shooting portion of it is always the same because the mechanics that occur from a physiological standpoint, from touching the trigger to gripping the gun and holding and all the arm position and natural. What's your term? You know this is radio, right? Yeah. Okay. You're just, they you're, can't you're see any of that. Of, no. I'm talking with my hands, guys. I'm sorry you can't see this. But all of that kinesthetic alignment. is kinesthetic alignment. And I agree with all that. Plus, I add a little more aiming than you might because I you, need to see things that other people may not. Because you're shooting at tiny targets like 25 yards away. Like Correct. you're like a pistol sniper. Correct. But I don't at five yards. <laughs> at five yards, I don't really do anything different than you. And that's where Except we actually you win. Well, <laughs> I might be a little bit faster. And winning, winning in competition simply comes down to higher score. It doesn't, it's not survival or lack of survival. And there's where the difference occurs. Right. Is fractional differences that I would agree would make no difference on the street. Because literally, if I drew, if, if I was confronted by you, and I draw and shot you five times in 1.5 seconds, or draw, draw, drew and shot you five times in 1.7 seconds, it is unlikely, I'm never going to say it can't, it's unlikely that difference would matter. Yeah. It, it's two-tenths of a second. Right. It's unlikely that difference would matter. In a match, one of us wins and one of us loses exactly. because of that. So the match magnifies the, 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 the should we say, the, 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 the point of measurement the, the, to the, the point where we to have to have matters. a winner. You right. can win a national championship by one hundredth of a point. You can. Right. I, I can. Well, <laughs> whoever, whoever yes. somebody you wins. And I've won by two-tenths of a point out of 1,000-point matches. You know what happened? I won. I've also lost by three-hundredths of a point. And so it didn't matter. the margin matter. by which you have beat someone is negligible. negligible. Narrower total, total. than the margin by which you have been beaten? Or was the other way around? 
You lost by point zero three, or you won by or point zero zero three, or you won by point zero three. No, oh three. Uh, I've lost by two, and I've won by three. Which makes you better. <laughs> once again, I just wanted to, for well, in case people were lost in yeah, math, but I've, but I've you lo- just proved that even though you once you admitted that you once lost, you are better <laughs> at winning than you are at losing. Well, but but yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. But the, but the but the fact still stands is that the reason for the measurement is to determine who a winner is, not a survivor. You remember a couple of years ago when we did the first Worlds Collide? I said we need to have this thing, so we're going to have it a match, and we're going to have a judgment. Oh yeah. And, no, it, and it yeah. would be the best thing ever held. So right. we're going to have a practical competition. Oh my god. And among god. other things in it is you're going to have judges watching you. And scoring you on how they think you did it from a practical standpoint. So and the judges are going to have like little cards. Subjectivity like, to it. Subjectivity, right. yes. So it's going to be like a 1 through 10, except for the Russian judge who will only have 1 through 7. And 1 through 7, because <laughs> right. he's never going to give anybody never, anything. Yeah, <laughs> happen, right? yeah. so, Unless it's Nadia Comaneci, and then she's going to get nothing but 10. Can, can, yes, she is, obviously. <laughs> because she, she's she from hot. The, wasn't she Just from because she's hot doesn't a, mean. I think she's older than you. And, and also, I think that... Um, she was from the Czech Republic or something, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that Well, wasn't at that Russia. time, it was the CCCP, so it was all Russia. But, but, but you I, know, I that, was every, that was everybody but Germany and France. That, that was everybody but Germany and France, right? <laughs> not, but, but, but you're the, so not good at things but that the, require but, facts. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the, so, the, so the point is, there are a lot of similarities. Now, I don't argue for a second. When someone says, I'm a national champion caliber pistol shooter, I am... Fully prepared and 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 ready to defend myself in the most proper manner. I'm. I would never say all my titles are the reason I will be good at protecting myself. So I will totally agree with you on that. There's no way I would disagree with that hmm. because everything we do, everything. Oh, there's there's Jeremiah slides. He's probably going to come find us again. <laughs> oh, boy. The the reality is even though. I'm a really good shot and won a lot of tournaments. None of those things would probably equate to me, other than I'm a good shot, uh, that I might survive or be successful in a, an armed encounter. Right. I would never argue that because I know I'm playing a game. Right. Right. Yeah. And that game I, makes you better in some isolated component ways. Right. Yeah. But well, the ma- trick is I think how it makes me a better shot. It does. Well, it does no, and that, that's what I mean. Like, so for example, a better shot makes you better at being able to, to to sort of call your shot, right? Know what the result of your shot was without a visual confirmation or seeing the guy fall down. Mm-hmm. Makes you better at all those things. Being able to apply those things while distracted or having been distracted—that's what I think a lot of people miss. And what that what does that mean? It means a false confidence might be developed in the piece of gear they chose or their technique or their practice regimen because they're better at the competition does not necessarily mean that they're that good. I agree. And that's dangerous. Mm. I agree. And, and I know people who would, I'd much prefer to, let's say, uh, uh, be in a position to defend my family that are not particularly great competition shooters, but I would trust them to do it above people I know who are very, very uh, skilled and accomplished competition shooters. Mm. So, I mean, I do get I recognize. Which is why the worlds it, collide in resolution most of the time because right. I recognize what he's doing. This guy, he's as good a shooter as he is. I think you, I don't think you have any 
disagreement with this. I don't think when, when it comes to the, you know, steel challenge is steel challenge or whatever, but when it comes to the, the things where you get into a position and you move and you do this, you win at least as often, I'm sure, historically, by the way you shoot the stage and how, where you choose to stand and when you engage your target or the, uh, dissecting the stage as you do because of your awesome shootiness. Or is that, where, where does that well, come in? It's certainly a factor because experience shows you things to avoid. And, and, and somebody might try something that you're unlikely to pull off and then fail. And then most of the time you don't win a match. Right off the bat, somebody gotta, loses. Somebody loses. If you take 100 people and shoot them in the match, 99 people do not win that match. But probably nobody out of the 100 shot perfectly. Somebody yeah. made incremental mistakes and, and screwed up. And the guy that screwed up the most is last. And the guy that screwed up the least is first. But it probably wasn't perfect. Right. Yeah, that makes except sense. Except that one time in 1989. Well, except for that one time when I when nothing could go wrong. The best I ever shot was the time when everything went wrong. I had a broken gun and shot just lights out after that and yeah. beat everybody well, regardless. Did you do of something it. cool like just recently at that Bianchi Cup where you did something as well as you ever had or better? Uh, the than best I ever shot at Bianchi Cup this year. I've, I've got a neck. Right. I've got a neck injury and a shoulder injury that makes it virtually impossible possible to shoot prone. And you're now three and a half times. Like what, six and a half times older than the next oldest competitor or something? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Three and a half times. <laughs> no, old, old enough. Um, most of the people I shoot against could be my kids or grand. Oh, my God. Jeremiah I Slides is here. I love this guy. <laughs> I absolutely. This guy. Can I do a selfie with you? Yeah, we need. <laughs> this is. I'm Riley. This is the Concealed Carry Podcast. What's up? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, oh, the, that girl wanted your number over there. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. A- just to let you know, we did get the thirty Maus, or sorry, the thirty Luger uh, XDS is done. They're on that. They're on that console over there. <laughs> yeah. Just go look. Go, can, they're yeah, underneath. Put, go look for it over put there. Put the brochure in your little rolling milk crate <laughs> or your ginormous right. backpack. So, so the best shooting I've ever done <sighs> was because of an injury that I couldn't go prone. Right, jump back on this, and it's I didn't have a choice. So I mean, I couldn't go prone, but I. Clean to be, I, clean, I shot the best score. I shot a record that lasted several weeks before somebody else beat it. Which but at your age is an, is that's an amazing That's an amazing accomplishment because yeah. I'm shooting mm. against people that can still see. Right. right. <laughs> no, for sure. Move. And I'm, and I'm, I'm shooting by Braille. Yeah. Most of those people aren't even by using Braille. the crutches. It's amazing. <laughs> are, those, are those found in that special Braille section yeah, of, it's as far as gun sights are concerned? Yeah, it's special Braille trigger. Do you yeah, feel so you like you feel aged it? faster living in an area known for retirement? Is that, is that <laughs> well, like it just you were like screw it, I'll just be old. It's made me recognize where it's where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're in Florida, half the time. Some so of the time. Half half the time you're in Colorado smoking pot, and the other half you're in Florida. <laughs> Why would you say it's that? St. Augustine, where Why everybody goes you, to die. Riley is also in Colorado. I'm in Colorado. Once again, it, it, it I, makes a perfect point. I do it? not imbibe. Yeah, I don't know why you would say it. it's really kind of weird that you would say that. <laughs> on national radio <laughs> when I'm wearing a suit and you're dressed like a hooligan. That's right, yeah. He, he doesn't look like, the, look like the type. Yeah. It's jealousy. He, put on, <laughs> just put on. he just wishes he could shoot well enough that somebody would want him to do that for them. I think it was you that once upon a time had a little bit longer hair. Oh, that no, hippie, we, don't, we don't have to die. Age. The 70s happened. <laughs> yep. Let it go. It happened. I, I we had was, disco, too. I was born. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, good, time. good time. To be fair, tell me a little bit about uh, you guys. Been doing a training. Uh, uh, you've been teaching classes together. 
We did. We've we done, did one. We've done we did one. Right? We did yeah. one together. Yep. And that was a Worlds Collide edition. Can yep. you tell us a little bit about what? What is that? How do you structure a course like that? We don't. To be fair, no. There's <laughs> no structure, structure whatsoever. No. Kind of how the flow went is I handled specifically um, shooting mechanical techniques, and uh-huh. Rob came up with uh, what do you want to use the term? Well, what we did is so the application <laughs> drill. So there was so he would work on something. Maybe it's trigger control or speed, whatever. He worked on a thing, a technical skill, yeah. and then help people develop it in kind of more of an isolated way. And then I would follow up and say, okay, now that you know how to do that, let's look at applying it mm-hmm. in a contextually realistic way for defensive application. Right. And so that was kind of the back and forth, yeah. and then you know tangents and little competitions. Which it was actually it was a really was fun. fun class for us. It was but a lot what, of one of the things that made it fun specifically for me and some of the people who are so there was. Some people were like more from, they were students and kind of followers of you, and there were students from my side. And one of the things that was interesting. But a couple of newbies, too. Oh, yeah, a couple of people who had never trained either one of us just thought, this is interesting. I think a couple of people were accidentally <laughs> had no was, idea what was going no on. No idea thought, what's going on. Shooting class. What these guys what, are doing? Who, who are these clowns? <laughs> so it was, but it was interesting to see. Um, I don't have fun in my classes. We don't have any fun. We don't oh. do competitions. We don't. Now, he's hard on me. He drives me. He pushes me. But there is that, that like, all right, let's do a little shoot off kind of, you know, yeah. competition. Yeah. Playing with, games. With the fun of it. And, Getting to do that, I mean, my guys were like, I can't believe you shot those. I can't believe you did, jumped in the shoot-off, and, yeah. and, and we, could, we understand why you lost all the time. But we couldn't believe you actually did it or that you didn't badmouth it. Well, again, you got to look at the spirit of the class. Right. It would be more fun to do those things in a combat-focused shooting class, too, but it, I do. I have this philosophy that it potentially – people might – because what do I see? I see so many people who post – after the class, I came in second in the shoot-off, or I won the shoot-off. That's their takeaway from a lot of these courses. Nobody posts that in our classes. They're like, wow, I was really humbled by the figure eight, and I learned what I need to work on. As it, that's my mm-hmm. passion is to put people in that spot, not to have them distracted by the competition. But, man, it was mm-hmm. fun. It was fun. Yeah. Do you feel fun. like it came off as a success? We enjoyed it. That was our metric. <laughs> yeah, I have, no idea. I have do, no idea <laughs> what the students it. thought, but we, we had say, a great time. Yeah, we said, you know, we're just going to have fun. Yeah. Like, as long as we have fun, and that's, that's really... I, it, was di- it was different. For me, it was different because there was so much focus in a direction I don't normally see. And I'm sure that lots... I mean, we had moments where we did not, not agree, agree on we things. Collided, yeah. I mean, it happened, but uh, we, we found I, a common ground. Now, you and, do a lot of these things where you team up with someone maybe from more of the defensive side, right? And, and well, some of them are friends of mine, some of them are... But they're all good guys. But you guys do it differently because you split the class. Right? Usually, isn't yeah. it like one guy's over there with mm-hmm. some of the class and you're over here? It's not really a combo. Well, and I'm not saying that's better or worse. We just did it very, very differently because we were both on the range all the time. So everybody to, got both of us all yeah. the time. So Mostly he would interrupt, and I would be very respectful when he was teaching and just watch and right. think about how I was going to do something next to build off it and empower them from that experience. And then I would start doing that, and he would interrupt. And well, he'd, in. he'd do something wrong that didn't make any sense, so I tried to fix it. <laughs> so the students got something out of it, yeah. you know, just instead of, you know, more propaganda. But having Having said that, <laughs> says the guy wearing the <laughs> shirt with all the logos. It's not propaganda. It's sponsorship and support for my life goal of being the, doc, the Dr. Evil of shooting. <laughs> the Dr. Evil you, shooting. I will shave your head right now. <laughs> I will. That's hilarious. Well, I think that's probably about all the time we have for yeah. this today. I, know I, you guys I, got I don't think you got anything out of this rally. <laughs> I think this whole thing was, was the Rob and Rob show again. <laughs> I started it off trying to let him speak, and you interrupted him. Like, re- play back. Audience, I encourage you to play this back. Maybe edited to your to maybe to help you look, not look like such a jackass. But literally, tried to get him to talk. What happened? 30 seconds in, you're like, yeah, but let me tell you what I think. 
Okay, well, that's a concept, but let me tell you what the truth is. <laughs> alternative, alternative facts. Alternative facts. By Rob Lee. Right. <laughs> Delicious dish. Fake news. All right. Fake news. Hey. That's it right there, man. <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Appreciate uh, your time. You. No, you're busy guys. So we'll look you. forward to connecting with you All again right, man. soon. Riley, thank you. All right. Enjoy the rest of your show. Okay. So there you have it. <clears throat> what did you think, Jacob? I thought that was pretty wild. Um, I, I mean, pretty much the whole time you were just laughing uh, <laughs> at, at, at those two. And they were, they were just on a roll. You know, they were in their groove yep. and they were doing their thing. I, I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, that was interesting, uh, but I, I was hoping for something a little bit more in depth or a little more of this, go, go check out their Worlds Collide videos. And I think you get a good yep. feel for, um, you know, what, what that looks like and, and you get a lot more depth. And, and I'll also add that probably, if, if nothing else, this hopefully is a little bit inspiring to do a little bit more competitive shooting. I think the vast majority of the people who listen to our podcast are competitive sh- or are defensive shooters. And this hopefully gives you some sense that, and there's a lot of things in the world of competitive shooting that are very much so uh, cohesive or apply, you know, in, in a certain way in the defensive shooting world. That's kind of the point here. Well, that, that's the big takeaway, I think, from uh, – I know this interview was a lot of just like entertain, you know, entertainment, just listening to the two of them banter back and forth. I mean, they are entertaining to listen to. Um, you know, they're well-respected, they're knowledgeable in their, in, their, in their respective fields. And it's kind of fun to see how that comes together and, and uh, what the result is. Yeah, it was difficult to, to get in, you know, <laughs> anything from my perspective. But, I mean, they were in their groove just doing their thing. It was, uh, you know, I just – that's their – I was giving them the forum to, to, to get their, their thing out. But the big takeaway is, from what I saw, from what I took from this, is that where it comes to shooting skills, shooting a gun, right? you can be a good shooter competitively. You can be a good shooter defensively. I mean, a shooter is a shooter. Okay. There may be a few little things here and there that you may want to consider doing a little bit differently as far as how you handle that gun. I think from a, you know, cause there's definitely guys that are, that are gaming the shooting aspect because they're trying to compete, but shooting is shooting. I mean, grip working the trigger, you know, trigger control, you know, using the sights on a gun if need be. I mean, all of that is, that doesn't really change shooting skills or shooting skills. But Rob's point was Rob Pinka said is, is, and I know uh, Rob Latham agrees with this is that it's the application that differs tremendously. And that's a really, really important thing. And that's a, I think contextually that's really important to grasp and understand if you're a competitive shooter or if you're solely focused on being ready, you know, from a defensive standpoint, that that application piece is really important to understand. Don't allow certain things from the competitive world, you know, be necessarily applied in a defensive context. And I mean, there's no harm obviously going the other way where if you apply certain things from a defensive context in the, in the competition world, it might slow you down a little bit, but there's certainly no harm in that. And, and by this, by the way, I mean, let me just elaborate just briefly, Jacob, and I know you have a response. And I think I've commented on this before where when I get done shooting a competitive stage, I try to go through the same routine competitively as what I would go through defensively. Meaning I don't just immediately get done, drop my mag, you know, work the slide, clear the weapon, drop the hammer, throw it back in the holster as the RO is witnessing all this. I get done and I will scan 
and look and make sure, did, did I get all my targets? Did I get all of these, you know, envision them as threats, right? Did I, did I take care of everything I came here to take care of? Am I still standing? Am I good to go? Yep. All right. And I'll do a scan. I'll look left. I'll look right. I'll look over my shoulder even sometimes and I'll just pause. And some ROs will kind of like, uh, you know, if the shooter's ready, like, you know, and I'm like, I'm doing my thing. Right. You know, and they, they'll, they'll wait for me. Um, at that point, I'll go ahead and unload, but I try to separate those two things, right? You know, getting through the shooting process, scanning, pause, stop, you know, reset. Okay, now let's unload and clear the weapon and try to separate that competitive world from, from you know, those, those routines that I have ingrained in myself uh, from a defensive concept, context. For me, a lot of it is about uh, mental priming. And when you, so when you go into a competitive shooting environment, you're mentally primed to want to win a contest, right? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try and be really fast and really accurate. Um, and, and you kind of also have a sense for what the stage is going to be most of the time, right? You kind of know, okay, I'm shoot this target. I run over there. I shoot this, I shoot this, I shoot this. I put this gun down. I pick up that gun. I hit that. I hit, I run there. And you kind of like, you're mentally priming, you're, ment- you're, you're envisioning that you are, you're completely running re- mental rehearsals in your mind. And when it's your turn, you're just going to go try and do that exact thing you just prepped for. And your, your outcome, your desired outcome is to win. Uh, and, and to complete the stage accurately and as quickly as possible in a defensive contest we don't we don't do that right we don't we don't i don't walk out the door and think okay mental rehearsal i'm going to run over to the car i'm going to get you know like we don't we don't get to do that we do get to rehearse um some things we can rehearse some scenarios or or certain skills i can envision myself um you know jumping out of bed in the middle of the night, retrieving the firearm and setting up a, a good post for, you know, for a home invasion, you know, in a good fatal funnel. Those are some things I can do. But for the most part, we, we can't perfectly envision what we're about to go do in a defensive standpoint. And, and, and our mindset can't, we can't walk out the door in the morning with the gun on the hip with the mindset of I'm going to be as fast and as accurate as possible so I can win and get the trophy. That that's, it's got to be a different yeah. kind of mindset. It's got to be this like, Okay, I got to be situationally aware. I got to be thinking about, um, you know, about, about threats. I got to be you know, focused on, on what could go down here. And if something happens, I got to be thinking, is this worth dying for? Is this worth killing for? Um, you know, is, is this something I want to be engaged in or do I want to retreat? I mean, in a competition, you never run up to the firing line, hear the shot timer, and then like run the other way, right? Or like dive behind cover. Like you just, you don't do that. You always engage. And so there, there's a, I think there's, there's a huge different mindset that's important. And when, when Pincus talks about you know, a lot of the skills are, and principles are the same, they're just applied differently. I think that that's true of a lot of the mechanics, but there's a completely different mindset um, as a defensive shooter as a, versus yeah. a competitive shooter. So you got to be able to switch that back and forth and understand that they're, they're completely different things. Well, there is no way for you to mentally rehearse. I mean, you're encountering a situation for the first time ever. It's u- completely unique to your situation. I mean, whether that's a robbery at the grocery store, whether that's a, a carjacking, whether it's a home invasion, it's something that is completely unique to you and to that particular experience. There's no way you can mentally go through that and go, this, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. You need your response to be automatic as much as possible and, and freeing up as much mental capacity as possible to uh, to, to think on the fly and you have to be able to think on the fly. Uh, and, and, but what I'm getting at is as far as whether it's drawing that weapon, whether it's getting, you know, the gun in your hand, getting your grip, prepping the trigger, whatever it is, like 
you know, using your sites if, 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 if they're necessary, considering the context, uh, knowing when to use your sites. Like if you've got to make that precise, accurate shot at a critical moment versus you just got a dude that's three yards away from you and he's trying to kill you, you, you know, you're just basically point shooting, right? So all these things have like that, the shooting aspect has to happen basically automatically. Some of the tactics even need to be, I mean, I try to have in my mind, you know, the use of cover. That's, that's something that people don't often intuitively use uh, if they've not been trained to use it, or if they're not, uh, if that's not something that they are working through, uh, you know, in, in their, in their training or in their drills or whatever on a regular basis that may not happen intuitively. Uh, they may just be caught out in the open. C- competitive shooting is there's a couple things I like about it. Number one, I just talked about the importance of being able to free up mental capacity, uh, you know, freeing up your cognitive stack, as uh, my good friend Mark Passamanic would say, freeing that up so that you can think a little bit more clearly on the fly. Competitive shooting, I think, gives you the chance to also test your brain in in that respect, trying to make the shooting aspect happen automatically so that when something doesn't go quite right on a stage, which happens to me all the time. <laughs> I'm no pro like Rob Latham is. So, you know, you, you get the game plan, right? You, you rehearse it in your head. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to do that. And something falls apart inevitably, like every time for me, I swear. And so then on, you know, in the moment you're put to the test. Okay. I've got to solve this problem right now, right here. Uh, and hopefully the shooting aspect happens automatically. Here's another thing to consider, by the way, with competition shooting, when we talk about gaming it, right? One thing that that you might game is you might actually intentionally miss or not neutralize a target entirely because the the taking the time to do so to either take additional shots at that target or to make sure you've neutralized that target may cost you more time in the long run. In in the real world, you 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 can't miss. And so that's been another approach that I've tried to, I mean, I've, I've occasionally had conversations with other competitive shooters where they're like, Hey, you know, it would have actually saved you five seconds if you had just, you know, not, if you just not engaged, continue to engage that target to make sure that you got it down. Right. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to miss any targets. What do you think of that though? You know, I think that's valid. I mean, at the end of the day, if, if we're trying to decide as a, as a person who owns a firearm primarily for the purpose of, of being a defensive shooter and being able to protect oneself, is it a good idea or a bad idea to get involved in competitive shooting? I don't think there's any real debate there. I think like everyone would agree, yeah, competitive shooting is going to help you. Like it, it is going to be beneficial. You're, you're not going to come away with, with you know, worse off because you have, have decided to get involved in competitive shooting than you were to begin with. Uh, so I think that, that, that has to be clear and kind of out of the gate. At the same token, we also have to be willing to say that if my primary focus as a gun owner is to be able to defend myself in a defensive situation, then there are some things that I, when I do in competitive shooting, that I got to make sure I do a certain way or that I, I, when, I, when I strap that gun back on to, to can still carry it outside the door, I, I have to switch some things mentally or I have to change certain, certain aspects of what I'm doing so that I don't allow uh, some of the potential negative uh, things of, of competitive shooting to affect me. Uh, but uh, again, to make it really clear, those potential negative things are, are minor relative to the increased shooting skills that you're garnering from competitive shooting. And not just shooting skills, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm, I'm being very broad, but just think about even the, the, the fact of feeling rushed. You know, I mean, it's very hard to simulate stress. 
And in a competitive shooting situation, you actually do feel stress. Uh, so just the, I'll call it, you know, fear inoculation might be the wrong word, but some sense of stress inoculation uh, while shooting. That, that's something that is a skill that we really can't create in almost any other environment. Uh, and I, I think it's really important. Uh, Jay, who's one of our instructors in, uh, in Florida, he made this comment. He says, defensive shooting and competitive shooting goes to, uh, go together. Most people can't spend thousands of dollars to attend overpriced private training schools. So competitive shooting is the next best thing. USPSA matches are fast. You have to shoot, move, shoot from cover. You're under stress. You do magazine exchanges while moving, drawing from a holster, et cetera. So pay your $20 and enter a match. That's another really valid point. I mean, talk about the, the barrier of entry for, for a USPSA match or IDPA league or something is really pretty difficult low relative to me flying to Gunsight or to the Six Hour Academy or Thunder Ranch. Now, does that mean it replaces those things? I don't think it does. I, I am suggesting that it, it, you know, based on your availability to certain things, competitive shooting will only make you better in the long run. There's just some be careful of things. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I love you, Jay, by the way. Uh, I I, I agree in that that is a great way to gain shooting experience, especially under stress. But the focus, I mean, the focus has got to be, in my opinion, I mean, where, where it comes to that. If, if you're if you're saying my competitive shooting is my training, well, I would say it's it only is as far as you are progressing in mastering skills like grip and trigger manipulation and knowing when and how to use your sights and uh, reloads, performing reloads, even performing mal malfunctions, you know, uh, clearing, clearing on the clock. Uh, that's something you see all the time, every match. You see guns malfunction, and some shooters handle them really well. Some really struggle. They kind of go, oh, hey, what's going on? My gun's broken, right? And it takes them a second before they realize what they got to do. So I would not go so far to say, though, that I, I get it. Like, some people can't afford to go to some... I don't know if I'd say they're overpriced, okay? Because I feel like I've always gotten my money's worth when I've been able to attend some of these high-priced. They are high-priced. I mean, getting that kind of quality of training is not cheap. Is it worth it? I absolutely think it's worth it. Uh, you and I, Jacob, we've been privileged to train alongside some some really amazing guys. Uh, we were privileged to take a class from even Kyle Lamb that we just mentioned at the beginning of the episode. We were on, on his podcast about yesterday. Uh, you know, that that was not a cheap class. That in fact, that was a that's the most expensive course I've ever attended because of all the other uh, expenses that came along with it. Um, but was it worth every penny? What sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, it was. So I, I hesitate to say, guys, you know, only go shoot all these matches because you can't afford the higher price stuff and, and call it good. Uh, that's not the case. There's certain things you cannot learn in a competitive environment that you're going to need to go to a, you know, like a, like a class that, that Rob Pincus teaches or Kyle Lamb or some of these, you know, Travis Haley, whomever, you know, go take a defensive or combat or whatever oriented course. You got to do that. You got to make the sacrifice to do that kind of stuff too. And I wasn't trying to imply that that wasn't the case or that that, you know, one replaces the other. I think, you know, I, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm core to my summary here, yep. which is, to do competitive shooting is better than to not do it. It, it. You know, more time on the trigger is better than less time on the trigger. And uh, there are some, some very strong correlations to, from competitive shooting to defensive shooting. 
but there are also some things that don't correlate and have to be managed or mitigated uh, as a defensive shooter. But, but I still think, you know, yes versus no, the answer, the answer is yes. Yeah. It's funny though, Jacob, you're saying that to do com- competitive shooting is, is a good thing, that it's better than nothing yet. I have yet to get you out to a match, good sir. <laughs> that, that is true. Now, I will add this, though. I mean, I do a pretty good job of getting time on a trigger. So, you know, I, I probably get more trigger time than most defensive shooters, and I probably get more trigger time than a lot of competitive shooters. Uh, I mean, you know, amateurs, not professionals. But, but uh, the, the point is you need more trigger time, and, and the, the competitive shooting environment does create uh, you know that, that a little bit of stress and it, it gives you opportunity to just do some things that, that you might not even be able to do at an average gun range, right? An average gun range, you may not be able to shoot and move. You may not be able to engage multiple targets and work on transitions. And so if, 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 if we're comparing like, I get to go to the range once a month and I shoot at stationary target and I go home and we're comparing that to I, I'm in a league or I, I, I'm in some matches on occasion, then that seems pretty black and white. Like, yeah, that, that league yeah. is going to do a ton for you and for your skills. Now, if you happen to be a blessed person like myself and you're full-time in the firearm industry and you can go to a range where you can do darn near anything you want, then, then, then great. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't do competitive shooting. I'm saying that it, it maybe is less valuable to you than someone else who, who doesn't have any of those opportunities. Yeah. For, for me, it's been uh, – it, it took me a while to get into competitive shooting, you know, at a very serious and, and kind of higher level. Um, but it's been – it's worked wonders for me in terms of my shooting skill. Uh, there's something to be said for when you're, when you're on the clock, when you feel that little bit of pressure or stress or whatever it is, or even, even, even when you're just watching other competitive shooters shoot, there's, there's certain things that you figure out throughout that as it relates to your shooting ability that causes you to go back home and you're like, now I got to figure out why I couldn't do X. Why could I not hit this steel target at 15 yards or five, even five yards, you know, in the way that you wanted to, in the way that you envisioned to do it? And, and so I come back from matches. I'm like, man, I struggled with this particular thing. And I start to ask my question, why? What about my grip can I do better? What about the trigger? You know, it, was I being, you know, too focused on something else or on my next step, you know, transitioning before I was ready to, to, to transition, to transition, uh, all those things that are going through my mind, I think competition adds another element for people because you start to actually think and evaluate and try to uh, try to figure out the actual process or act of shooting in a way that you, you know, most shoot, you know, typical shooters, recreational shooters probably don't ever give much thought to everything that's going on as they are shooting a gun. You start to pay a lot closer attention when you're on the clock and you're trying to actually, you know, win. Yeah. An interesting comment here that came from uh, Michael. He says, I'm having trouble finding any advanced classes. I've signed up for a couple and both canceled due to not having enough people signing up and no matches I found either. You know, when I just, I taught a class last night and in, in the class I taught last night, I was talking to the students about, you know, the next steps and what they might do next. And I generally, and I know it sounds a little bit arbitrary, but it's just because it works for me. And I think most people are, are open to the idea. I generally tell people that they should commit to taking some sort of formal defensive firearm course from an instructor twice a year. And I, I think that if you think of it that way, it's like, hey, we're talking about you know, once a year, twice a year. 
then I think if you plan on that, then you should be able to travel. I think that you need to make travel part of that. Not to say that in a lot of places you can't find really good things near you. Uh, maybe you live right next to Gunsight in Arizona. Like, awesome. You probably can do a lot of things without having to travel very far. But for the vast majority of us, I mean, we're in Denver. It's a pretty big metro. There's a lot of farm structures. There are certainly things around here, you know, that, that you could do for a while and feel like you're getting a lot of ROI. But eventually, at some point, no matter how many options you have around you, you are going to exhaust those options, and you might have to travel to get something new and different. So I, I would strongly encourage that you need, to, you need to build travel into that. And if we're talking about once a year or twice a year, I don't think it's too much to ask if you're serious about this to say, okay, you know, I, it, it's January right now, or I guess technically it's February. It's February 1st right now. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to really try in July – uh, to, to do a destination course. Maybe I'm going to go to Thunder Ranch or maybe I'm going to go to the SIG Academy or maybe I'm going to go take, a, you know, whatever it might be and, and, and plan on that and start booking the travel and thinking about what's out there. And sometimes the, the, the schedule may not be booked out that far in advance. You can call a school and you can kind of get a sense for, are these things regularly offered? You know, when would you post those dates? And I think that's, that's really important uh, that, that you be willing to travel. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, yeah, that means constantly, but I think you know, once or twice a year, that, that, that can be reasonable. Yeah, that's a great point. And by the way, I think just almost anywhere you live in the U.S., you can find good quality training, uh, you know, a world-class class. You can find something within a day's drive of you. And if you can find something within a day's drive, then you should, I mean, at the very least, you should make an effort to try to make it to something like that. I mean, if you're in the Northeast, chances are you can make it to Sig Sauer Academy. If you're in the Midwest, uh, you, there's, there's a lot of training schools in Ohio and Indiana that you can make it to. Uh, check those out. Well, uh, I'll, throw, I'll throw another one here real quick too, just right there. Texas, here's a thought. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting California. you. California. <laughs> yeah. So here's, here's another idea. You know, you, you mentioned in, the, in that comment, uh, Michael mentioned that, you know, they, he has seen classes. They just end up getting canceled due to not having enough people sign up. You know, what, what, what is cheaper? You know, like if that class that you signed up for that got canceled, let's say it's, it's $200 and they, they wanted 10 students to make it happen and they only got four. Okay. Uh, and so you're like, ah, darn it. They, they canceled it. So that's unfortunate. And so instead you decide to go travel to New Hampshire to the six hour Academy to take some class. Well, by the time you talk about flights and hotels and, or driving or whatever it is you do to get to six hour, I bet you it would have been cheaper to just pay a thousand bucks to get that instructor to teach that course in your local area. So, so you, if you have quality trainers, you can often call those people and buy one-on-one -on -one training. Like, hey, can I just get this class and you know, me and a couple of buddies? And it's going to cost you more than if you signed up for something else. But at least you know it's going to happen. And it's probably still more economic than, than traveling across the country yeah. for something. So that's another thing to consider. D don't forget, by the way, that uh, you know, many of these instructors, many of these training academies travel as well. Okay, let me, let me list off some things for you. Six Hour Academy, primarily based in Epping, New Hampshire. Okay, go there. If you're within a day's drive there, do it. They don't cancel classes because people fail to, to show up or sign up. They have a full-time instructing staff. Uh, so that's a pretty low risk. If you're going to make the effort to go there, that a class is going to get canceled on you. Uh, <clears throat> range master, Tom Givens, great training. Uh, they travel around a little bit, Texas and Florida. They have a lot of classes. Check them out. Uh, defense training Institute in Ohio, uh, John Farnham, et cetera, et cetera. Mostly based in Ohio. 
but chances are classes are not going to be canceled because people fail to sign up. Gunsight, same thing. Thunder Ranch, fantastic. Tactical response, even James Yeager. As controversial as he is, I promise you, you can learn something from James Yeager. He's based in uh, Tennessee, Camden, Tennessee. If you're in that anywhere near there, just go. Uh, he's got classes going all the time. Shooting performance, Mike Seeklander. Uh, he travels around a little bit, but a lot of his classes are also based in Oklahoma. Uh, and of course, Rob Pincus, ICE Training, ICETraining.us, I think is his website. Go check out his calendar. He's got classes all over the country. If you look at his training tour calendar, I'm pretty sure you can find something within probably even a half day's drive for most of you out there. And those classes are generally, they're not going to get canceled because people fail to show up or sign up because most of these high quality training academies that we're talking about, their classes fill. Okay. Um, you even got front site out in Nevada. You've got, uh, there's guys in California, Kanai Academy. That's another one I, I could recommend. Billy Burzell, great, great dude, great instructor. I mean, there are options literally all over the place. So uh, I just listed off a bunch. That's a pretty good list. You could just start hitting a lot of those guys' websites and find something and go take a class. And some of these guys are really cool too because if you're able to hook up with someone like Mike Seeklander, he can, if you're interested in competitive shooting, but you also make sure you get good, solid defensive uh, application, then he can do both. He's extremely skilled in both, both realms. Um, you know, and he teaches classes in both uh, arenas as well. So there you go. There's some resources there. I hope that's helpful for you, Michael, and others as you're looking at these sorts of uh, things and classes. Uh, and of course, there's Jacob and little lowly Jacob and Riley here in Denver uh, teaching our, our Guardian courses, which we'll be rolling out more and more uh, as we go through it throughout the year here. Um, so if you're ever able to make it to Denver, um, that's where we primarily teach, but we may be getting around and doing a little bit of a travel uh, traveling tour of sorts as well. So there you go. I know I just threw out a bunch, but hopefully that's helpful for you guys. There you have it. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, speaking of competitions, by the way, someone was asking about where can, where can they find them? Uh, I would go talk to some of your local gun ranges and, and, and ask if they know where some matches are held. Uh, it's, things are not always well advertised online, depending on the club that's putting it on. Uh, they, they don't always, they're not usually terribly web savvy or internet savvy or marketing savvy or whatever. So talk to some of the local gun ranges, ask them, um, you know, ask for referrals from other shooters, you know, that maybe they compete that are local to you. I know there's competitions in South Carolina all over the place. I think that's where Michael is from and where he was wondering where he could find some, uh, some matches. I'm positive. There's a pretty good selection of matches in South Carolina. So uh, do some Google searches, check on Facebook. There's Facebook groups all the time for little shooting clubs and matches and things like that. So um, if you're interested in three gun, that, that would be helpful too. If you decide what you're interested in, whether it's long range, three gun, USPSA, you could check various three gun websites, USPSA websites um, and, and so forth. And you can find classes or uh, matches that way as well. So uh, anyway, Jacob, that's all I've got. I hope that's helpful getting that all out there. Um, yeah. Last words. Yeah. I would just encourage people to go check out the world's collide series from Rob and Rob. Yes. I call him Rob squared. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, Riley will remember to do that. And I think that uh, you'll get a lot of value from continuing to follow that back and forth between Pincus and Latham. 
Yes, I got to write that down so I don't forget to include that in the show notes. So, yes, and speaking of which, today's episode is brought to you and sponsored by Springfield Armory. Thanks to them for making it possible for us to come to their booth at SHOT Show and record for several hours, including this interview that you heard today with Rob Pincus and Rob Latham. We thank uh, Springfield Armory for their support. Also, ICE Training. Okay, I, I mentioned that, so we'll make him an unofficial sponsor, Mr. Pincus, ICETraining.us, I believe is, is the website, um, and also GuardianNation.com. Go check it out. We, and we thank all of you for being supportive of us in, at ConcealedCarry.com, the Concealed Carry podcast, and for making it possible to do what we do and to bring, hopefully, what you see as quality content to the masses. So with that, we are going to sign off. Thank you, everyone that's participated. Lots of great comments and, and, and thoughts that dropped into the uh, Facebook comments today. Uh, those of you listening only to the podcast, uh, if you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email, podcast at concealedcarry.com. We hope to hear from you. We hope that you all stay safe out there. And so with that, a reminder to train, train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. reminder that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealed carry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things can be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast